Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Joining us now is author Meg Zucker. She wrote a book called Born Extraordinary, Parenting Children with Differences and Disabilities. She was born with one finger on each hand, shortened forearms, one toe on each foot, caused by a genetic condition, which I cannot pronounce, but she will be able to, I'm sure. And she would eventually pass this condition on to her two sons, but along with her husband, raised them and their adopted daughter to be full, sustaining, happy people with lots of self-esteem. She is the founder and president of an organization called Don't Hide It, Flaunt It, a 501c3 nonprofit with the mission of advancing understanding and mutual respect for people's differences. And Meg Zucker, we have something in common. It looks like we are both alumni of the NYU School of Law. Welcome to the show today. Yes. Hello. Oh, my gosh. Hello, yeah. hello. Nice to be here. That's wonderful to hear. <laughs> yeah. Meg, when did you graduate? Um, gosh, dating myself. I graduated in 1994. Okay, well, yourself? you can date yourself because I'm still 10 years older than you. I graduated in 84. Oh. <laughs> okay? There so that's go. That's all there good. You go. Did you have a good time there, <laughs> Meg? Did you enjoy NYU Law? I loved it. I really did. How about yourself? No, I hated it. I really hated it. They, really? they, yeah. Oh they. Oh my gosh. <laughs> let me ask you the big ten-year difference. Wow. Were you doing your moot court research uh, in the stacks in the library, or were you already on computers by 1994? Uh, we were not on computers, but I was. Believe it or not, I was focused back then on doing entertainment law. So I was just in a completely different experience there and I wasn't doing moot court at all. I guess I did review of law and social change, but that was <laughs> How that did you get really away with not space. doing moot court? We all had to do moot court. It was compulsory. No, in we Okay. We did not have to do it, so oh. maybe that's the <laughs> I think that is. Well, my experience with moot court competition was that the important case had literally been razor edged out of the of the law book in the stacks. And yes. when I saw it I was open mouthed. I could not believe what I was oh. looking at. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought, oh, okay, now welcome to my first semester of NYU Law. And it really never got oh much better gosh. after that. I made some great friends, but no, no, not not the favorite for me. But Meg Zucker, I'm so oh. impressed with you because uh, I understand you're the managing director and U.S. head of anti-money laundering and financial crime at the Royal Bank of Canada? Yeah, so I have a day job that uh, is, is certainly, it was my first labor of love. Um, and in in fact, it's kind of interesting, Lisa, you know, we were talking about being a lawyer originally based on my physical. So it's called ectrodactyly. Thank it you. sounds like a dinosaur. And I guess the older I get, the more I match the, the label. <laughs> but but it really is um, something that that I decided to, you know, become a lawyer instead of being a teacher uh, or a, I was a performer. I, I had music in my background because I couldn't fathom having, you know, getting up in front of people, whether it was children or, or audiences, and having them stare at me. I was in a very different headspace back then. So I thought, well, if I go to law school and I and I focus in the, this world, then I can just, you know, be amongst people that are professionals and not have to endure it. And it wasn't until I had my son, Ethan, and then later Charlie, uh, that, in fact, I realized after Ethan was bullied on the playground for his difference, 
that I really had something else I wanted to also do with my life. And was Ethan bullied because he inherited the same condition that you have? Yeah, so in first grade, Ethan um, was on the playground, and he was only in first grade. Now, that was, you know, I've been doing, as my nonprofit is almost 10 years uh, now, so he's now in college. But uh, he was bullied on the playground as a first grader with a bunch of fourth graders who taunted him for his physical difference. And so when that happened, the principal invited me to come to speak uh, and wanted me to guide teachers in terms of, well, how do we help someone who's different like your son? Um, and that's actually when I developed um, social emotional learning um, and empathy program called Kids Flaunt. And it ended up being something really interesting because m- what was kind of nagging at me, Lisa, was, yes, I definitely wanted to empower people like Ethan, kids that were, you know, looked or felt different. But other kids would run up to me and say, I'm not different, not me. And I thought, well, those are the kind of kids that are probably not all of them, thankfully, But the kids that were willing to taunt him couldn't sort of dig deep and say, well, wait a minute, we all have our own version of something that, you know, we wouldn't want someone else to judge us about or stare at or think about or talk about. And that's why I built that empathy programming and ultimately um, started Don't Hide It Flaunt, the nonprofit organization. Where are you, Meg? Because it says you're Royal Bank of Canada. Are you in Canada or are you not in Canada? No, I'm um, I'm actually in New Jersey. New Jersey, <laughs> so okay. I'm not far from you. That's yes. good to know. Yes. Okay. And is Don't yes. Hide It, Flaunt It, uh, a nonprofit that has programming for schools and for yes. teachers? Yeah, so we have programming and have had programming almost for a decade for um, schools. Can we do community service um organizations. We also have programming for corporate, you know, diversity and inclusion, um, equity and inclusion programming as well. Um, We're, you know, what started out as actually one program, a flagship program that we we started has now evolved into something much, much larger. So Meg Zucker, so tell us about you, you, uh, you say ectrodactyly, is that right? Yes. Ectrodactyly. And this is a genetic condition. Did your parents have it? Yeah. So my parents, my brothers, my relatives, no one had it. Um, So when I came out, it was a complete and utter shock. And quite frankly, the doctors didn't have a term, medical term for that. And so because of that, uh, I didn't even learn that there was a, a, a medical label associated with my physical difference until I was applying to NYU Law School. And my doctor, you know, we had to write it, sort of a, have a medical form completed. And my doctor wrote the word extradactyly. I'm like, what is that? And his, um, you know, he said, look, it's really just a Greek term for missing digits, which is not news to me at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a condition that um, I, I have, but it certainly wasn't. And it's really why I decided to write the book Born Extraordinary, um, because my parents empowered me in ways that I could just follow my every passion. And not to say that I could do everything, but I could do most everything. And I realized that they didn't write a guidebook, you know, in the way they empowered me. So as a person and a parent with, you know, my same condition, I wanted to write this book to just share wisdom, but also, by the way, um, mistakes that I made. That's kind of ironic. You'd think that um, I wouldn't have made the uh, mistakes that my own parents didn't make, but I did, Um, probably mainly based out of fear. Um, And that's why I write about the book, you know, 
peer-based parenting, especially when you're parenting children with differences and disabilities, will not lead you in the right direction. So talk to me about this fear-based parenting, because I have a cousin who has a couple of missing digits, uh, I think three missing digits on one hand. He's a brilliant, brilliant growing up young boy, a kind, handsome, wonderful young man. I don't know what, if any, kind of bullying or just taunting he's experienced on the playground. And I'm just curious to know, as a parent and as a person, uh, what are some what is some advice that you would give his parents right now? Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, the, the book actually starts out with, um, it's called Embracing the New Normal. And it's really first checking in with yourself, sort of like a mental health check. You know, are you absorbed with the, you know, judgment and and assumptions people are making about you? Um, and do you care what people think? You know, my, my favorite mantra um, is what you think of me is none of my business. Um, something that a, a very dear friend who passed away had shared with me. And, you know, essentially what it meant is, you know, we have a power of self-love. And if you allow people to sort of pierce through it and, you know, make you worry about what people are thinking, then that's going to be sort of instrumentally problematic when you're raising your children. So now let me answer your question. So so people have to tap into that and really challenge themselves, as I say in the first chapter of this book, where do you land on that? And so then once you sort of, and I, I help people to navigate through that in the first chapter, and then you turn to empowering and supporting your children um, so I write, you know, the, the first chapter is about building their dignity and helping kids discover how to unconditionally accept themselves and realizing the difference between, you know, when they have control and what they what they don't. My dad has this amazing expression with a worry about the things that you can do something about. And it's essentially my father has the same one through that. Uh, excuse You're me, kidding. Meg. My father is 93. My dad's from <laughs> Brooklyn. Is it a Brooklyn thing? My father's yeah. from Brooklyn. OK. Yeah. So, yeah, so, so is my father. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and it's, and it may be a Brooklyn Jewish thing. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> yes, my father always says to me, never worry about the things you can't change. He says it to me all right. the time. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, the, and it's that concept. And, you know, in the, it, you know, talk, and thank you for sharing about your cousin because it's, these other stories are so important. That's why there's so many other stories of parents with children um, with differences and disabilities that, that are included in this. Because I think it's important that everything that I'm sharing is, is more than my family. It's certainly inclusive of my family. But, you know, the, 
in terms of what we do um, is really in building their dignity. It's also forecasting. So it's sort of like helping. Um, my parents didn't know to do this for me because they weren't born physically different. But when it came to raising our sons, I knew the importance of sort of saying, look, kids that encounter you are going to be in, quite frankly, certain categories. There's going to be the pointers, the stairs, the whispers. There's going to be the curious cats always asking questions. There's going to be the people that are afraid of you. And, and, and they'll warm up once they get to know you. And, you know, there's going to be the um, bullies, but typically, thankfully, not as many of them show up. Um, but there's also what I call, Lisa, the heroes. You know, the, the kids that, you know, they just start to want to be your friend. And you're kind of like, wait, what about my hands? You don't want to ask me? And they're probably just going home and asking their parents. But I always say to cherish those kids because, you know, when they show up, they're just such a, a gift. And so by um, supporting our children in this way, by giving them the forecasting, it's almost like it gives them this incredible power of insight. Um, that when they have it and they can anticipate it, that's when that these things, these, the way that people react to them is not a surprise. They're ready for it. Hey, Meg Zucker, I have a question for you. It's a very personal but obvious question, and I'm just going to ask you because yeah. we're not sitting in the same room. In a, in, a world, in a world that just depends so much upon texting and typing, seems like more than ever from when we grew up, how do you manage with these, with your hands, how do you manage? Do you have a prosthetic device? How do you manage? Um, so I've never had any type of adaptive prosthetic device at all. Um, and in fact, I would tell you, um, so I, I know this is going to sound out, uh, random, but living in central Illinois, um, when I was growing up, when I wasn't living in the Middle East, um, we didn't have a lot of things going on besides, of course, my brothers and I. So I used to practice typing with my younger brother a lot. <laughs> and this is on typewriters. And so, um, quite frankly, uh, this is all I've ever known. Um, and my parents raised me never to say, oh, I don't think you can do that. So um, I actually have been told I'm the fastest typer of anybody I know. I'm really fast. So you I've type with one finger on each hand. So that's how you type, one yeah. finger on each hand. Oh, okay, I got it. Okay. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't know what yeah. finger it was. I, I didn't know if you were able I, to do that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And, and uh, I, I make the argument I don't think I have the other uh, fingers that are in the way, so I'm really fast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got a good sense of humor about it too, Meg. That helps a lot also. That helps a lot. That's in the that's in the book. Humor matters. It's definitely in the book. <laughs> it really does. It's beautiful. Well, the book is called Born Extraordinary. I wish you great success with the book, empowering children with differences and disabilities. I also like that you you know that that the, that the word disability is a little bit loaded for you because it's always got a little bit of a pejorative, not pejorative, but it has a it has a less than as opposed to differences, which has a sort of an equal to but different than, right? It's a little difference in tone. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. I covered that distinction in the book, um, and I do it because one of the things. Well, to your point, you know, if uh, you know if the traffic report, someone can say, um, you know, there's a disabled vehicle on the road and your your morning's going to be messed up because of that so you know then the unfortunately in the common vernacular the term is not used in a positive way but that's but, but what i think is most important and certainly where i've evolved is that you know the the labels you know don't really matter and i'll give you an example you could have three families 
and they all have the same um, physical difference, X, Y, Z difference, fill in the blank. One family says, this is my child who's disabled. The next one, this is my child who's different. The third is, this is my child who's differently able. They'll all have different ways of describing themselves. And at the end of the day, I'm here to say anything goes, that's okay. People should be given the grace and the respect to decide what label is appropriate for them. And and then after that, it really is just, it doesn't matter to me and our family, because what I've always thought is it's really about connecting with people that feel like you do or have experienced life feeling judged or pitied or whatever. Um, so what, how we label one, uh, ourselves and our family, it, it's almost like you, you move on beyond it and think in terms of, okay, who can we connect with and unite with to sort of have that type of safe community. If people want to reach out to you, Meg Zucker, and they want to know more about your organization or they want your organization to bring programming to them, if it isn't in New Jersey, how would they do that? Yeah, it's national programming. So um, the easiest way I would say, if they remember my name, Meg Zucker, um, megzucker.com is my author website, but it also links to Don't Hide It, Flaunt It, uh, our nonprofit, and um, it'll be easy to reach me that way. Fantastic. Meg Zucker, I applaud your attitude and your accomplishments. I'm, I'm so delighted to get to know you today. Maybe one day I'll get to meet you in person. Thank you so much for writing this book. Oh, thank you so much for having me, and I'd, I'd love that. Thank you, Lisa. Meg Zucker on the Lisa Wexler Show. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.